The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As children, we are forever asking the question, why? Yet, at some point, as we move into adulthood, the question gets easily answered with something similar to, just because. Why did we stop asking why? Welcome to the Mickey Ellison Show, a program where we not only strive to answer those why questions, but we'll find out how to ask more and not settle for just because. Now, here's Mickey Ellison. Hello, and welcome to the Mickey Ellison Show. I'm glad you have chosen to join us again this week. And before we get started with, with our guests, I want to talk a little bit about the the angle and what I've decided to do with the show. When we first started it, I really had no angle. It was more towards, okay, if we're going to do something like this, let's do something that's going to make a difference. And it started with a political bent, and it was really frustrating for quite some time because I think there's so many shows out there about politics and 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 stuff of that nature that, frankly, the answers and, and the problems that we have, the answers to the problems we have in society cannot be found in, in politics. And about five or six weeks ago, I did a show with, uh, with uh, John O'Sullivan from Changing the Game Project because of a Facebook post my brother sent to me shortly thereafter. And, you know, not knowing, i just interested in the subject because I do coach for I have been coaching uh, baseball and basketball for about eight years with my oldest son now and have been involved with sports for, let's see, I'm 43, so, so 30, 37, 38 years I've been involved with sports. And the show is now starting to take a, a, a turn because we are focusing on certain things with sports, but more importantly, and I think this is where our guest is going to come in today, as the importance of youth sports and, and what a positive thing it can be and it can be an area that we can actually protect our children and teach them many of the values in life today's guest is uh rob miller and rob was introduced to me by john o'sullivan of all people and was actually told he told me rob was a mentor of his and and helped him in the direction that he's going with changing the game project um rob has tons and tons of uh, things, accolades that I could throw out there about him, but he asked me to introduce him as a husband, a father, and a coach. So welcome to the show, Rob. Great to be with you, Mickey. So, hey, you're with a group called um, um, Proactive Coaching, and before we get into some of the topics we're going to discuss, tell us a little bit about Proactive Coaching and, and how it started. Well, the, the Proactive Coaching uh, organization started through one gentleman, actually him and his wife, Bruce Brown and Dana Brown, up there just live north of Seattle. And after he spent 35 years coaching, he kind of used a lot of his experiences, and he coached at every level, junior high, high school, college. Um, and he's coached some of the great people. Jimmy Mora Jr. played for him and, and, and things like that. He just started relaying some of the things he learned through coaching, both to athletes, coaches, and to parents. And I got the chance to meet him when I was at the NAIA, the National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics. I hired him as we were developing a program called Champions of Character. 
and Bruce came on our staff at that time, but he continued with proactive coaching. And then in 2008, we both left the NAI and started doing this full-time. And we go across the country speaking at colleges, high schools, youth organizations, now even businesses, to talk about the impact of what we call intentional coaching, uh, athletes making great choices. It doesn't matter about your talent. If you're not making the great choices, you'll never reach potential. And the role of parents in athletics and how to build teams, how to intentionally build teams. So that's kind of the re- you know, real quick version of where we've gone from since probably Bruce started it in the mid to late 90s to today. Well, you know, it, one of the things that I've, I've been blessed with is the opportunity to coach kids since uh, my, my oldest uh, started when he was, well, he was five and it wasn't really anything really intense. And I did get a chance prior to moving out to, to Kansas when we were in South Carolina to coach a group of high school kids. And man, you want to talk about, I thought I knew a lot about sports, but once you start coaching, you realize there's so much more to it than, than you. It's not just about being able to hit a curveball or fastball or being able to catch a ground ball. It's dealing with personalities and dealing with kids dealing with kids that whether we believe it or not we're going to impact them in a, in a positive or negative way for possibly the rest of their life it, it may not be in their business setting or something like that but it may influence whether they play sports moving on and through the the eight years that i've been doing this the one thing i have i i've learned so much with with dealing with kids from being you know I am a former uh, college athlete just as you are rob and i'm very intense when i when i play the game um, I play it with I, I know no other way to play it than, other than with reckless abandon. But it was also something that I learned over time. And one of the topics we're going to touch on today is is the importance of youth coaching and what what type of uh, um, impact does youth coaching make in society and, and in our towns? And and I actually posted recently on um, on, on my website website MickeyEllison.com a short deal about society and, and the changes that, that we hope to may, uh, make in society. You know, there are characteristics that are taught in, in sports such as perseverance, hard work, character, teamwork, honor, honesty, and love. And, and we have an opportunity to do that when we're coaching these kids because they are bombarded, whether it be at school, whether it be on the internet, whether it be on television, uh, whatever it might be, we get a chance to pull them out and, and be a positive influence on them, and hopefully, there's a little nugget that they take from us at some point in time that you that, that helps them somewhere down the road. There's no doubt about that, Mickey. And, and the thing is, you got to understand. You just talked about all the positive attributes sport can teach, but at the same time, all the negative ones can be taught as well. And that's why we have to be so intentional about it. Because how many times have you seen, even at the earliest age, uh, you know, accepting things as being late for practice, accepting things that, that are just aren't not there. And I, I bring that up because the studies will show you, uh, whether it be West Point's done a sunny, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Joe Doty up there, um, Sharon Stoll from the University of Idaho has done studies that say the longer you're involved in sport, moral reasoning and ethical decisions go down. Okay, that's the studies that tell you the more you're involved in sport, moral reasoning and ethical decisions go down because we have to be intentional about coaching and teaching and parroting those values with our kids every single day because of some of the things you're mentioning culturally that are impacting our society. So it, it's an important task for all of us. Yeah, it, that, that doesn't even make sense to me why. I, I guess I, I've been around it long enough to know why some of the, there are some of the negative aspects and, 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 and people – 
you know, their characteristics going down and as they get older in sports, but it shouldn't be that way. I mean, sports is one of the greatest things that I was involved with. Now, obviously, at the college level and, and, and beyond, you, you do see some things that um, aren't necessarily G-rated that you would tell your children about, but that being the case, the upbringing and the, and, and the character that we build with these kids at an early age will help them to make the right decisions when they run into some of those situations in college or in high school or if they're fortunate enough to make it to a professional level or, or in life in general. Because you know as well as I do that there are a lot of things that can really take a kid off of, off of track if, once they go to college or once they graduate. So those characteristics, the the honor, the the character, the the um, honesty, those types of things are what we hope will help them moving on. Well, there's no doubt about that. But I think, you know, you talked about some of the big picture items, but it's just, the, you know, some of the small things they got to learn to realize. And I know, you know, I coached college basketball for a long time, and, and we talk about it in the college circles at any sport. One thing you like to do is go to practice, not tell them you're going to be there. And then sit back and watch their work ethic. And, you know, from a basketball perspective, I just watch line drills. How many kids are touching the lines and how many kids are coming up a foot short? One, that's a decision that those kids are making every time they're doing the drill. But, two, that's also the coach's responsibility to make sure if they're not touching them, they're providing the avenue to say, you know what, that's, that's about life right there. And we've got to touch that line every single time. And those are the kind of things we've got to be careful of. Talent is not enough, and sometimes we let highly talented people buy getting a few extra advantages because, you know, I, I heard Kirk Cousins, the great football quarterback at Michigan State and now with the Redskins, and he was talking to the Big Ten Media Day, and he, he made a great statement that says, you know, athletes are privileged, and with privilege either comes more responsibility, greater responsibility, or entitlement, and we've got to teach the responsibility part, not the entitlement part. Yeah, because we see a lot of the entitlement part, with, especially in professional sports, and we're seeing it more in college sports with with kids that just don't think that the normal rules of society actually apply to them, that they can get away with whatever they want. And you probably it probably starts at that early level when you do have that kid that comes along that, that is obviously superior in talent. I have a kid that's on our baseball team right now that is, and has great character right now. But you can see it. The kid has the, he has abilities and God-given talents that no one else on our team has. And but if we allow those kids to do things that we wouldn't allow one of our kids that's just an average player on the team to do, what does that teach him going as he gets older? That's right. I mean, exactly. They're going to make decisions throughout that just say it's okay to, to come up a little bit short. It's okay to cut corners. It's okay. And you still get rewarded with whatever it is. In our case, it's playing time or whatever. But in life, it's so many other things. And, and we do. We have to be really, really, you know, observant of that and make sure that we're holding people accountable to that, to that figure. Yeah, it, it, it's a really tough deal as a coach to know that you have a kid that is extremely, extremely talented and for whatever reason maybe doesn't put in the effort at, at practice or, as you said, maybe they show up late to practices. Because, you know, as, as, if you're listening to the show as a parent and you have kids playing sports, one of the most frustrating things for me as a coach is when 
I've got 12 kids on the team, and I've got 11 of them ready to warm up and get get loose. We start practicing. We're starting it at 6. That means that they should have their spikes on and everything ready to start at 6. If I have 11 kids ready and I've got to wait on one to uh, to get ready, then that disrupts our practices. And it's also a lesson that we're teaching our kids that, uh, you know, it's okay to be late. It's okay if, if everyone else has to wait on you. Now, I do understand in our busy world today that at times – because of work schedules that a kid may need to be late, but just let your coach know those types of things. Um, have you have you seen that? I mean, as a, as a college coach, you wouldn't have tolerated being late, would you? No, and it just doesn't happen. Now, I think you know, I, you know, today's culture has changed as, as you go through it. As you mentioned it, but no, you don't tolerate that. And you're right because I think one of the biggest things young kids being late for practice, whether it be uh, in, in the school system with junior high freshmen and so forth, or whether it be youth sports, is the ability to get there because they don't have the rides. So right. I think, again, coming back to what we're talking about, the importance of it, you know what I would call intentional coaching. We need to make sure we educate the kids, but also the parents on that, that this is important. Because, you know, some of these parents may be great parents, great. Maybe they were never involved in youth sport, you know, as a kid. Or, you know, and the same thing, we're talking sport, but this translates to a lot of different things. You know, a lot of, you know, I look at it, some of the best teams I see have nothing to do with sport. Whether that be music, debate, performing arts. You know, my, my daughter just graduated from high school. She was big into theater. Same thing. You know, you better be on time because you've got 25, 30 other people there waiting for you to get their rehearsal in. And so it yeah. translates into these life lessons. Wherever we're at, we can teach them. Yeah, and we're coming up on a break. If you, if you want to visit uh, um, uh, Proactive Coaching, actually the best place, I think, to find them is on Facebook. And, and there's always uh, new things that are posted each and every – more than once a day and things that I – I turn around and repost on my Facebook page as well, on my personal and my uh, on the show page. But folks, when we get back from this break, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about intentional coaching because Rob mentioned it briefly. Um, come back and listen to us. Rob Miller from Proactive Coaching is with us today. See you in a second. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned to The Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to mickey at money-planning.com. Now back to the show. 
Welcome back to the Mickey Ellison Show. And sooner or later, Voice America is going to get that fixed for me. And you can actually just email Mickey at MickeyEllison.com. But either one of those will get to me. Um, you know, I do need to throw out the phone number every once in a while because it would be nice to have a phone call come in as we're talking to ask myself or, or Rob a question. Um, the number again is 866-472-5788. This is Mickey Ellison. I have Rob Miller from Proactive Coaching on with us today. We're talking about youth sports, but not so much in in baseball or basketball or football, but the importance of youth sports and how it can actually be a positive to our kids and to our society in general if we will just take the opportunity to do so. Um, we spent a little bit of time in the first segment talking about uh, about the importance of youth coaching, but there's something that, that, that Rob sent to me the other day, and he talked about intentional coaching, which is teaching life lessons and, and helping kids reach potential. Talk to me a little bit more about that, if, if you would, Rob. Well, I think, you know, if we kind of go back to the importance of youth coaching, we have to understand that 74% of all kids are out of traditional sports today by the age of 13, 14 years old, okay? So most of our kids are going to get their only sporting experience through youth coaches, and that's why we say that it's so important to be a youth coach because most of them never make it to high school. You know, it's a different culture than it was. I'm 50. I didn't start playing organized sports till I was eight years old. Now, I was playing, but not organized till I was eight. Mm-hmm. And I went on and I started playing college. I started playing my first organized basketball team in sixth grade. Well, I ended up playing college ball. When my daughter quit soccer at 13, she had already played eight years of soccer. So she had already played more soccer at 13 than I had had played basketball when I got to college. So our experience is kind of really runs quick. And as coaches, we need to be intentional about what we're going to teach. Now, we only have them for a couple hours a week usually, sometimes a few, few more. And when we get them for that hour, we've got to figure out, okay, we've got to be intentional. What do we want to teach them? And I think there's two areas. What do we want to teach them from a fundamental standpoint? No matter what our sport is, what do we want to teach them? And age-appropriate. We have to remember the laws of motor development. Now, that's a, you know, a term that's used if you're a physical education major. You know that, that term. The laws of motor development tell you that kids can't really start learning skills till they reach the, reach the age of reason, reach the age of reason, which is going to be different for most kids, five, six, seven years old, somewhere in that area. But we can't start throwing them hard skills until they're ready to learn those hard skills, okay? And that's why they're called the laws of motor development, not the theory, not this, not that. They're the laws of motor development. And so we really got to be smart about, okay, what are we going to teach them? I know when I was first coaching my daughter's little basketball teams and things like that when she was four, five, six years old, my point was if I can teach them how to dribble, okay, how to dribble at five years old, that's going to be something that makes them better for six years old and better for the next coach. On the next situation is what can we teach them character-wise? Because that's so important and we have to be intentional about it. Where are we? What can our sport teach? Because different sports, you mentioned all the vast variety of sports, each sport's going to teach something different. What does our sport teach? And then how can we relate it? Coming back again, one of the values I think, if I could teach five- and six-year-old girls to, how to listen, that's going to help the next coach. And yeah, you <laughs> yeah. teach them how to listen. You listen with your eyes and your ears because why? Athletics is about visual learning. So how do you learn? Okay? Short attention people, okay? you better get right up next to the coach when the coach is talking so that I don't have to tell you the same thing I told somebody else three minutes later. And you teach them how to listen. 
combine those and it, combine those two strategies. What can we teach at this level? What can we teach character-wise? What can we teach physically? And progress. Your kids are going to get better, and that's a great way to start intentional coaching. Yeah, one of the things I did with our, our kids is uh, when we talk about practice times and game times, uh, I very seldom uh, will talk to their parents about those times. And we started at an early age where we said, you know, you, you, all you have to do is listen to me for five minutes after practice to know what time you're supposed to be be there, what color the jersey is that you're going to wear, and um, those types of things. And now in today's age of email, I do send out a, a, an email that, that kind of tells them the same things. But nothing annoyed me more than to get a phone call from a parent who says, well, what time is practice? And I'm going, well, didn't Johnny tell you? Because he was there. Yeah, that's right. And we have to get to the point that one, and we got to, and as coaches, we got to understand, especially, you know, it, it's so different because you got to look at your environment you're in. If I'm outdoors, okay, and I'm speaking to a soccer team or a lacrosse team or a baseball, softball team, I better be pretty smart where I'm gathering them together for the last five minutes of practice. Because if I'm gathering them right where there's a whole lot of other activity going on, whether that be a parking <laughs> lot or something like that, Young kids' heads are going to turn. Young kids, you're going to lose them. You know, never put that you. You know, if you're facing them and they're facing the parking lot, good luck. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's that type of t- simple stuff that we have to realize. We got to set them in an environment that closes off a lot of that, and that's you don't leave anything to chance, and that helps that situation as intentional coaches. Well, I'd imagine that's where the the habit with with baseball that a lot of coaches after a game would take their kids out. To either right field or left field, depending on what what uh, dugout they were in, and talk to them after the game um, there versus doing it in the dugout where they're putting their stuff away and, and and doing all these other things. But maybe they didn't do that on purpose. But if it, you know, that's kind of why I do it because I want their attention. Uh, and we're not going to go into a whole bunch of game details at that point in time because I've learned the hard way that that doesn't work. They don't remember right. it anyway. Right. But it's more of of okay, let, let's let's basically say bye we're we're a christian-based baseball team called the kings called kids in god's service we're going to say a quick prayer afterwards and after they've had some time and this is something i've learned after they've had some time to digest a little bit about what just happened in in the game um the next day at practice or next time at practice you're going to have an opportunity to talk about those things because one of the things i love about coaching is when kids actually do make mistakes in in games because to me that's when our value shows up. But man, if they're emotional at that point in time and you try to dig right into them, you're just going to make it worse. It's just it reminds me of golf. And, and you talk about different sports that have different characteristics that are taught. You know, I think golf is probably the the one game that will teach honor and honesty above any other sport because there is nobody watching if you've got a ball with a bad lie in the rough. And especially in high school sports, but um, you know, it there are so many things to learn, and I could can I I just enjoy that opportunity. But I I really really believe if we as as coaches and, and as parents would take a a more serious aspect of it and teaching the lessons of character, teaching those uh, the hard work and. And the, the specific lessons, you know, you talk about sports specific. Um, I'll talk about baseball. You can probably talk more about basketball or some other sports. But baseball is the greatest sport to ever play if you want to learn how to deal with failure. Because it is the only sport where you can wind up in the Hall of Fame being successful three out of ten times. Yep. 
But uh, you know, what are some of the lessons that? Let's take some other sports. What are some other lessons that uh, that you can get when we're talking about? You know, perseverance. I think kind of works with all of them. But it does. Uh, well, and there's a lot of them that work with all of them. But you talked about the emotion of it. You know, how are we going to teach? You know, one thing you can guarantee every one of our kids is that they will make a mistake in sports. Mm-hmm. And as coaches. Okay, we have to de- deal with those mistakes appropriately. So we've got to let them know. This is the first thing we do in every sport, because you're going to fail in sports. You name the big one, baseball, seven out of ten times, softball, seven out of ten times, makes you really, really good. Okay? Uh, other sports, my sport, basketball, you shoot 45 55%, you're pretty good. That means you failed about half the time when you sh- on shooting. With that, you've got to look at those sports and say, okay, it's okay to fail. And as a coach and or a parent, we've got to let them fail. Now, here's the thing. We've got to recognize the difference in failure. Is it done carelessly or is it done with focused and attention? If our kids are focused and attention trying something new and make a mistake, that's okay. That's fine. But one thing we can teach them is mistakes should never be made carelessly with lack of focus and lack of attention. Two different types of mistakes. So we're coming back to that intentional coaching part of it. As coaches, we have to learn to distinguish between those two mistakes, a physical mistake made at full effort and full attention, or a mistake, which I would call a character mistake, made at less than full effort and full attention, and how we deal with those. Um, we don't have time to get into that whole thing today as far as how you deal with them, but we really got to get to a, a point that we, we distinguish between those. I think one of the best things we can teach our kids, two things that we can teach our kids in sports, and I think they run the gamut. How to react when something does not go right. Mm-hmm. Bad calls. If you have an official, you're going to have a bad call. Now, as parents, we better be the role models how to react to that, as coaches and parents, both. Okay, we've got to be the role model. But we've got to tell our kids. You know, it's like I tell, you can tell kids all the time, have you ever seen an official change a call because you're yelling in their face? <laughs> yeah. Usually it gets you a bad one next time. Yes. Well, think about this. Major League Baseball has just gone to the instant replay. What's it eliminated 90% of? The arguments. Guess what? In arguments, no call was ever reversed. Now they're calm, cool, walk out, talk to the official, and it could be reversed. We're never going to get to instant replay, obviously, in youth sport. But that analogy is yelling and screaming and getting kicked out never did you any good anyways. Exactly. We don't we, have we a, a mechanism to change things. So how are we going to respond when there's a bad call? And the point is you can respond by being emotional. You can respond by being angry. You can respond by all that, or we can respond by making quick recovery from a mistake. Yeah, we, we had a, a couple situations with our older team. and you know, As a coach, sometimes you become part-time psychologist because each kid will actually react differently to different things and, and different ways of motivating them. And we were playing in, in a tournament a couple weeks back, and one of our pitchers, one of, it's actually the kid I was telling you about a minute ago that has all the talent to do. I mean, his upside is high in any sport he decides to, to, to play, and, and probably all of them. And um, he was pitching, and he, he got obviously what I thought was a bad call. I, and after years and years of being a, a catcher in, in college, one thing I learned is, is I'm going to be completely unemotional with dealing with an umpire because the last thing I want as a pitcher or a catcher is to make the guy that's calling balls and strikes mad at me. And I've also pulled that over with our parents and said, look, when you see those calls, I, that, that obviously the umpire missed the call. I see the same thing that you do, but 
me jumping into their face, again, just like you said a minute ago, have you ever seen them change the call? And the only time that I step out, and I still do it in a very calm manner as well as I can, is when it's a possible rule that I know for a fact that I'm right on, and I will calmly go out there and talk to them. Now, frankly, I've I've never actually had even one of those reversed, but uh, it was one where I – because I did it the right way, I had umpires twice come back to and say, hey, we went back and looked at that rule, and you were right. Yeah, yeah. It might not help you then, but it's going to help you in the long run. In fact, you know, one of, the, one of my big mentors uh, was a baseball coach. He was my athletic director when I was coaching at college, Hank Burbridge, and he always makes the, the thing. One day he walked up to an official as a young coach arguing the call, and the umpire just looked at him and said, Hank, do you want me to call it your way or do you want me to call it right? And he said, as soon as he heard that, he walked away and said, it, it didn't, not that he never walked out again to question a call, but when he walked out, it was walk out with purpose. Okay, why am I questioning this call? Because I'm just disagreeing with the call, or is there a rule behind it? Can we get to it that it can help us later? And so I think right. you're, you're exactly right. And I think the other area we can be intentional, and this one to me is probably the biggest um, our kids need to learn to stay positive through mistakes, positive through losses, positive through bad calls. And we call that mental toughness and proactive coaching, staying positive and enthusiastic no matter what. But with it, I think, comes perspective. And too many times I think we look at our culture, whether it be youth sport, high school sport, college sport, professional sport, and we use this phrase, bad day. And I'm going, what? there are no bad days on the playing fields of our country. <laughs> Say bad for bad. There's some sad days. There's some disappointing days. But there's no bad days. Bad days was last year, this time in Moore, Oklahoma. That's a bad day. Okay, that's a bad day. Bad days are are guys in Afghanistan that are fighting these, you know, battles. Bad days are Newtown, Connecticut. Wherever you want to go with that, those are bad days. Bad days are not a youth baseball game, youth soccer game, youth lacrosse game. Those aren't bad days. Okay, and And we really have to get that perspective through to our people. And let's continue that discussion when we get back from from this break, Rob. Rob Miller from uh, uh, Proactive Coaching is with us today. We're going to talk about that, and we're also going to talk about some red flags that, that we could be looking at as far as our kids and, and, and our coaches and as parents or how those things that we should be looking for in, in youth sports. Folks, we'll be back in front of this break in a minute. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are tuned to The Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to mickey at money-planning.com. Now back to the show. Well, this is Mickey. Or you can drop an email to mickey at mickeyellison.com. Before we went to the break, we were talking with Rob Miller from Proactive Sports, and, and he was starting to talk about being positive and putting things into perspective with our kids and and how often we hear the term and i've used it i'm guilty of it oh we just had a had a bad day but when you do think about events like the uh the tornado in moore oklahoma which is just right down the street from from both of us actually because you're up in uh was it leewood and you know joplin a few years ago and i mean the horror of of newtown connecticut i mean i, I can't even imagine that that's a bad day um, but, uh, you know, you talk about staying positive and I'll give you an example that just happened to me probably 20 minutes before, before the show, I sent out an email. We got our schedule this for this weekend's baseball tournament with our 14 year old team. And, um, we got the eight thirty game, the one thirty game, and then the eight thirty game at night. And it's an hour drive back and forth. So it's not as if you can leave. Now, let me ask you, Rob, do you think I really like that schedule? You don't, but you can turn I it to don't. your advantage. But my my parents immediately started complaining about that, and I said, you know what? I do not want that shared with our kids whatsoever. First of all, I will promise you, they don't even care. They actually think it's pretty cool that they're going to get to be there the whole day. And second of all, I want them, I've been teaching them for this entire season, and since some of the kids have played with us for longer, Control what you can control, and the times that they give us on on a tournament weekend are not things that we have complete control of, so let's focus on baseball and not the things that are out of our own control. But uh, um, did you want to expand more on on the positive and the perspective, or should we move on to uh, some of the red flags that uh, that we should well, be looking at? I think at? we can. I'll just, I'll just do something real quick here. Example that you just said, and I coached in the NAIA, and the national tournament for the NAIA brings teams from all, college teams from all across the country. And the key to them is they start playing at 8.30 in the morning. That's the first tip-off. And you find the two differences between teams. Teams that are going, why are we playing at 8.30 versus the teams that are going, great, 8.30. Because yeah. what I'm saying is you take those things and you make them your advantage. You make them something that you tell kids. Like you just said, hey, we can't control that, so let's have some fun with it. What can we do to make it a great day because we're going to be there all day? We're going to play three games, but what else can we bring into that, You know, whether it be you know, a tailgate or whatever it is because we're there all day? It yeah, makes we got it the- fun. We got the tailgate. We have we Hutchinson, Kansas has a free zoo right across the street from Hobart yep. Debtor where we're playing the games. And it's good. They, those are actually the things that the kids playing on the team are probably going to remember. I bet you can ask 
all 12 of them 10 years from now, if they won that 830 game in the morning at Hutchinson, Kansas on May, whatever the date is on Saturday, 24th or, or whatever it's going to be. And none of them will be able to tell you the answer. But yep. they will remember what they did out in that in that parking lot, or what they did in the in, in the park right across the street, or just the silly things that 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 happen at, at these tournaments. And I will tell you, we we played in a tournament uh, last year, and it was a it was a May weekend, and um, it was unseasonably cold. It wasn't cool. It was cold, and. When we first walked out on the field, my first instinct, I was looking at over at the other teams, and they're all shivering and looking at them. I said, boys, the word cold cannot be used the rest of the day because right now you have every one of these teams beat because they're worried about being cold versus hitting a fastball. That's right. That's and right. guess what we did? We won the tournament, and they won it hands down. But uh, and that's, you know, and it goes with I all those want, choices that help us reach potential, and those are the yeah. type of choices right there that help us as individuals and as teams reach potential. Yeah, and I do want to touch on this real quick. And, and and there's a lot of folks that are struggling as parents with with all the travel baseball and American Legion baseball and and AAU basketball and high school basketball and all these different things. We have chosen to be a tournament team, and there's a reason why that we did so. And it wasn't because we wanted to play 120 games a year. It was because I wanted to control the number of games that we played, and we could actually take that week to teach the kids how to play. So it doesn't mean travel baseball or whatever it might be does not necessarily have to be a negative. It can actually be a positive because when we have three days that we play on the weekend and we have four you know, four days off in between. Sometimes we just give them the whole week off. And then other times it gives us an opportunity. Remember the conversation we're talking about having at the end of the game? Well, we don't have to have that to try to teach them before the next game because they're playing the next day. We can take time and actually break down what just happened in those games. There's no doubt about it. And I think uh, somewhere along the line, the last 15, 20 years, we thought playing games is the key. And playing games is the key to get better. Playing games is the key to get exposed. Playing games. Playing, I have to play games all the time. And what we're finding with that is that's not the case. Um, first of all, frankly, we're not as good as we used to be. We're bigger, stronger, faster. I'll take that. We're bigger, stronger, faster. Our kids are. I think that's because we train them. Uh, they're starting earlier, all those kind of things. I think our food, just our, our, the, our food industry has changed. So you're getting a whole lot of you're getting a different type of athlete, but fundamentally they're not as strong. And, and, and I think that because we don't practice, we need to practice more. We always talk about you should be practicing every three or four times for every game you're playing, and that's just not what we're doing with our kids. And we wonder why they don't get better all the time. Last year I had the chance. This is my third year. I'm going out next month to speak at the NBA Top 100 Camp. It's actually the NBA Players Association Top 100 Camp. And I get the chance out there. I'm actually doing a lot with parents when I go out there. But I get a chance to listen to some of these NBA guys talk to the players coming in, the coaches and the players that are in the league talking to these high school kids. And what they're telling them is quit playing so much. Drop your 80-game schedules. Go cut them in half. Drop your 12 camps. Cut it in half because you're more fatigued, you're injured, all those type of things. And that leads to the specialization factor. And the specialization factor is not – there's not a lot out there saying there's some sports where it probably does help because of the nature of the sport, 
But specialization is causing our kids, one, we're seeing, especially in baseball, the injury issues, the overuse. Dr. Andrews, who, who does a lot of the professional athletes also, he wrote an article not too long ago that his high school business is up about 70% in knees and, and shoulders and, and elbows injuries over the last 10 years. 70%. That's overuse. Um, that, and it comes in, so you're looking at fatigue. They're tired from starting at age three and playing all year long and four. We have a three-year-old travel soccer team in the Kansas City area. Oh, my and, gosh. And, 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 you know, I mean, what's that about? And we have to be very careful. There's some really great coaches and organizations out there, and there's some organizations out there that are doing it for one reason. It's a moneymaker. And parents have to be really careful because we will burn our kids out. Coming back to that figure I used before, 74% of all kids are out of sport by the age of 13 years old. And there's reasons for that, and fatigue is one of them. Specialization, whatever you want to call it, is, is driving our kids out at an earlier age. They're playing so much, they're getting out because they're tired, which leads to another part. There's other things to do. You know, one of the fastest growing sports in our country, especially it's been out on the East Coast for a long time, but it's just getting into our area, is lacrosse. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons kids say they're playing lacrosse is our folks don't know anything about it. <laughs> I mean, that's it's as simple as that. It's something new. It's snowboarding. It's the X Games. You know, look at that. Kids look at that and go, ooh, that's cool. That's new. That's different. Let's try it. It's a passion that comes out of them. And, and the third thing is relationships. And when we... A lot of kids, and this comes back to my partner, Bruce, doing 35 years of, of intense study. And, 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 and when I say it wasn't academic study, it was intense study of his kids every day and surveying his kids. That's what his study was. And he'll tell you as you look through that, you know, we've, we've changed as adults when we come to the perspective of what we want out of our kids and so many times it comes to two things, winning only. And I believe me, I love to win. I mean, uh-huh. I love to win. But is the focus on winning the game or is it our kids reaching their potential and our teams reaching their potential? And the second thing that comes with that is that whole scholarship, 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 scholarship. And, and we have to understand that for every one athletic scholarship, there's 75 academic scholarships. Understand where your priority should be. And I'm all for scholarships, but when you look at it, you take baseball. You're a baseball guy. Yeah. You know, how many guys do they keep on a D1 baseball roster? Well, when we went to the SEC, it was 25, 25 men, and we actually had 40 guys on the team. Well, not only that, how many scholarships are they allowed to give? Uh, I forget anymore. Is it 11? It's 11 something. 11.7. So you keep 25 guys on your roster, probably 40 in the program, and only 11.7 scholarships are provided. Guess what? Yeah, and it- that's not all full rides out there. <laughs> Actually, there's very few of them that are full rides out there. and Probably and some remember, kid that can throw the ball about 100 is getting a full ride. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, if he hadn't gotten drafted in the first right. round. But right. I remember as even as a uh, um, as when I was being recruited, I wound up playing at Vanderbilt, which is not exactly the, the least expensive college to go to. And fr- frankly, two years before that, I didn't even know where it was. I remember being a North Carolina basketball fan, and Vanderbilt beat them at uh, Memorial Coliseum. And I'm going, who in the world? old is Vanderbilt <laughs> and uh, uh, but when when my decision came down you know there's a couple things I looked at as making making a decision one was I going to get to play you know who was playing in front of me and the two schools that really came down to was was Vanderbilt and Clemson and Clemson didn't even find out about me until coach Muburn at Vanderbilt contacted Bill Wilhelm that was coaching at Clemson at the time and literally I lived 20 minutes from Clemson yep and um, the reason I 
the number one reason I wound up picking is because I was an arrogant 18-year-old that was looking at it and going, oh, Vanderbilt's going to give me 83 84%, and you're going to give me 50 even though the cost to go to either school is going to be the same. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's that it's that myth that you're going to be – all this investment that we're doing in our kids – and I'm not saying don't invest in your kids and, and, and their sports if you want to do so, but – understand that it is a myth especially in baseball now if you're looking at at football and basketball there's typically enough scholarships to cover the players that are on that field but baseball is is not the one and it seems to be one that is you know obviously i see it more because i'm intimately involved with it and i have just taken you just said something that is a myth okay there's enough to cover football and 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 basketball myth at what level and how many kids get to that level and the investment comes back to, coming back to that investment and opportunity. Investment, to me, isn't what the financial return should be. It should be how much does this activity make our kid better. Opportunity should be where should my kid, where does my kid fit? And if everybody's thinking D1, you're missing 75% of the, of the college experience. Because yeah. there's only so many people playing Division One football, and guess what? There's only 60 of those 300 programs that are probably offering the 80 scholarships. Yeah, and, the and other it, it, 240 are offering less than that at D1. Now go to D2 and NAIA, where they're going to give you some scholarships, some people, but D2 maxes out at 36, NAI maxes out at 24, and they both keep 80 to 100 kids on their team. And the largest division in the whole country is NCAA Division Three, and they give no athletic money. So, hey, we're going, to conti- we're going to continue this conversation when we get back from this break. And I do want to continue on that note because you just taught me something on the show. Folks, this is a, it's a great opportunity to learn about coaching, what you should be looking for. We are going to hit on those red flags in the last, uh, last segment. But, uh, folks, um, really get involved with your kids' sports, but do it in the right way. And it will be one of the greatest experiences your kids or you as a parent will ever have. Folks, we'll be back from this break in just a second. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You 
are tuned to The Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to mickey at money-planning.com. Now back to the show. All righty, and, and thanks for coming back. And, you know, it's, I wish someone out there would just humor me by dialing that 866-472-5788, just so I know there's one or two of you out there outside of mom and dad listening to the show. But don't, on a more serious note, we have Rob Miller with us today from uh, Proactive Coaching. And as a not a professional radio show guy who is learning this as, we, as I go, um, Rob, I haven't done a very good job of telling people uh, how to get in touch with you or how to uh, even find proactive coaching. How can they do that? Well, a couple different ways, uh, Mickey. One, you mentioned our Facebook page, and if you just search for Proactive Coaching LLC on, on Facebook, we have about 80,000 people that follow us on Facebook, and my partner, Bruce, and the founder of the thing, he, he posts about four times a day. And, and it's just great stuff. It, it, sometimes it's directed towards kids, sometimes directed towards parents, mostly directed towards coaches. And it's stuff you can use, repost, uh, copy, paste, get to your kids. That's a great way to do it and get the information out. Second way is go to our website, which is proactivecoaching.info. That's proactivecoaching.info. And that allows you to see what we do. Our, you know, when we go out to a high school or youth organization or to a college, what we speak about, those type of things. Or you just email me. And the best way is rob at proactivecoaching.info. That's rob at proactivecoaching.info. And I'm glad to go through the process with you and we'll even get on the phone and talk a little bit and, and just because anything that's important, it's about you can invest some time into how we can make this a great experience for our kids. Yeah, and the fact that you guys have close to 80,000 followers on your Facebook page tells me that there's a hunger for what we're doing. We talked during the break about how, as a former college athlete myself, when I got into to youth sports and, and, and started to really started moving toward the more competitive stuff with my, my oldest son, the first thing I noticed was, man, there's something wrong here. And we ran, Rob, we ran into a team when we were nine years old that was actually playing in an eight-year-old tournament right beside where we were playing. They were on their 99th game at eight. And it just blows me away. We played close to 38 or 40 games that year, and I was concerned that was too much. There's no doubt, and we have to be really, really careful of that from burning our kids out. And, And we want this to be an experience, and, you know, you know, I, I can't tell you. I saw a post, and I wish I remember where I found it, because I, I, you and I talked about this first time we taught. It was from the North Carolina women's soccer coach, who's a great program out there. And one of the things they said is, you know, we don't look for single-sport athletes. We, sp- we look for multidimensional team players. And, and, because, and their comment was they're less selfish. That was, her, that was the comment from the coach. And, and what they're trying to say is here, you know, Sometimes they burn out, they get so in one narrow-minded into one sport. It's not bad to have our kids involved in many different types of activities. Yeah, there may be that one primary, but, but let them get engaged. Let them get involved. Let them share other things. Let their body recuperate. And, and yeah, coming my- back to the situation we saw in the news with the kid that pitched 14 innings, uh, you know, the high school baseball player, you know, we can't. We don't want to burn our kids out. We want to make this a great experience for them. And if they're playing 100 games and they're pitching, you know, when they shouldn't be pitching and, and, and all those type of things, man, it, 
let them enjoy it. Now, there may be one kid that loves playing 99 games, but a lot of them would say, yeah, let's go do something else after 35 or 40 games. Let's go do yeah. try something else. That's a good thing. A good well, thing. you know, I, I grew into that kid that liked to play 99 games, but I didn't start out that way. And it was something that actually, and, and John O'Sullivan from uh, uh, Changing the Game Project talks about this a lot, is it has to become, there has to be ownership from the kid. And once, my dad not once, Rob, made me play anything and you know i've actually got an eight-year-old son who's pretty darn good baseball player and he's he's been around it since he was three because he's going to jordan my my 13 year old's practices all all this time and um there's several times that he's he's getting a lot of attention because all these other coaches are going oh you got to bring him over here and i'm going why do i want to do that i've got 12 kids that he loves to loves to death and we have three former college players coaching the team, so we kind of know what we're doing, and it doesn't cost $2,500 a year for us to do it. But, you know, one of the guys says, well, you need to get him into, into speed and agility. I'm thinking, well, I, I do have him in speed and agility. It's called basketball. Yeah. And yeah. he loves basketball. And you're, you're right. There are kids that will become focused on one sport, but my 8-year-old, you know what he does? He becomes focused on baseball during baseball season, then he becomes focused on basketball during basketball season, and I'm afraid my wife is going to have her worst nightmare because he's now getting interested in becoming focused on football in the, in the fall. But, but you uh, know, and that's today. And the one thing we have to realize is, is we've created some of this over the years. I don't think that the mentality has changed. The timeline has changed. Meaning, if we were starting to organize sport between the ages of 8 and 10, 8 and 12 earlier, and now we're starting them at 3, 4, and 5, they're burning out quicker, and now they're missing that opportunity at the high school level, maybe to even be involved in other things. And, you know, we always think about, well, football, I've got to focus on football, I've got to focus on volleyball, I've got to focus on soccer, I've got to focus on baseball. Well, you know what? There's other sports out there, okay, that can take their time. And think about such things as, as, as this. I mean, track. They could use you in track. Yeah. Track's an unlimited roster. Love to have you come out for track. You know what my daughter got involved in? Great team sport. Taught her discipline. Taught her focus. Not much physically, but taught her trap shooting. She's, huh. She was the captain of her high school trap shooting. Well, you know what? That, that was, to me, a new sport. But guess what it taught her? It taught her life skills, and it taught her how to be a teammate. And so the good news is we can share a lot of these, and it's good for our kids. It really is. Yeah, I, I wouldn't trade anything for the experience that I that I had with basketball or or even a little bit of football that I played. And uh, you know, in fact, I, I think as a as a high school baseball player, and yeah, there was a time when I got to, and we only have about three minutes to close. But we there was a time when I realized that my talent was going to be tailored more toward baseball because I wasn't fast, I wasn't tall, and I couldn't jump. And the <laughs> last time I checked it out. Yeah, six foot tall guards who can't run, jump, or or or, or and they're slow. They can actually shoot. Don't really make it real far at the college level. So um, it, it was kind of one of those things where I probably love basketball as much as I did baseball. But the and I still played it all the way through my senior year, knowing that my future as far as athletics was concerned was going to be baseball. And you talked about something earlier, and I got to be quick with this that that um, that opportunity to play in division one baseball and up until vanderbilt saw me in a tournament in alabama my entire thought process was i was going to be playing either division two or naia and i just happened to get lucky to and go just have the grip one of the best days i've ever had on a baseball field the day that coach Buburn was there and i was in alabama we we're there at the same time 
Well, and that's and, what we've got to fo- focus on. Where is our level play? But remember this, too. Most of our kids will not play at the college level. They will not. It's okay. So our job is let's not burn out their passion. Let's help them find out what their passions are. Athletically, let's find out what their passions are. But guess what? We're going to find somewhere maybe around the age 14, 15, some of our kids' passions will go into theater, will go into music, will go into other. Robotics is huge in my town. There's a club, robotics, has 100 kids in it. They do things that I can only, I sit back and just in awe of. 15, 16-year-old kids do things I'm shocked by. That's great. Help our kids find their passion. That's what we can do as coaches and parents. Exactly right, Rob. We're, we've got about 30 seconds left in the show, and they will cut us both off if, we're, if we continue talking. <laughs> I would love to have you back on the show at, at some point in time, um, or even maybe if you can talk Bruce into doing it or, or someone else from Proactive Coaching. It's so important with the, that we use youth sports to be a positive, but also realize that youth sports is not the end-all, be-all. If you want to get in touch with Rob, to show, tell that website again real quick before we website, close. Website, proactivecoaching.info, or email me at rob at proactivecoaching.info. All right, Rob, thank you so much for being on the show. Folks, we'll see you next week. Thank you. so much for joining us on the mickey ellison show mickey plans to be here again next wednesday morning at 8 a.m pacific time 11 a.m eastern time on the voice america variety channel we hope you'll be here too thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america variety channel For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 